hello and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. And we've been finding, buying and growing income from our property businesses for over 20 years and we talk every week about the reality of running our property businesses. Now, as always, at the start of the show, we've got a quick request. Please do leave at least a rating on your podcast player of choice or a review as some of you are now doing and we're very grateful for that. Most recent one came from bboy2244 who said great down to earth content by two people that have clearly got a lot of real world experience. Well, bboy2244, you've clearly got a lot of real world experience because you have taken some action and left us a review. So thank you very much for that. And if you want a shout out on the show like bboy2244, then all you need to do is leave a rating or review on your podcast player of choice and you too will get a shout out on our show. Now, with that, we will move into today's show and we are talking limited companies. So most of my property business is operating in within a limited company. I do have a couple of personal properties, but Simon only joined the limited company brigade very, very recently. And we were talking about that before the start of the show. And we thought it'd be good just to really dig into, certainly from Simon's perspective, and I'll obviously share mine too, what that's meant in real terms in terms of how Simon has operated with his properties and his property investments. So Simon, why don't we start at the beginning? So we've got other podcast episodes where we've, we've talked about this, so we can refer those back in the show notes. But you bought your investment property when and when did you start your limited company? Let's let's start there for the listeners. Okay, so this is this is just referring to my most recent uh, property investment purchase. I do have personally owned properties as well, which date back far, far further. But this this recent purchase was started around May last year, and at the point that I put in uh, an offer on the property, I hadn't actually decided whether I was going to buy it in, in my personal name or in a limited company. And it was this was probably something I should have prepared a little more in advance and possibly before putting an offer in. But I, I knew I'd be able to do at least one. And, and once that offer was in, it then became sort of quite urgent to decide which I was which route I was going to take and hence sort out the, the finance information and also the approach from my conveyancing solicitor varied as well. They needed to, to know which approach I was going to take. So I did have to make that decision fairly quickly. And once I'd made the decision, I then, of course, having opted for buying an Olympic company, had to actually get a company set up. So I think it was either in June or July last year that I actually got the the, the company formed and started to arrange bank account and, and things like that for it. And I mean, it, it, the, the actual process of setting up the company was, was incredibly simple and straightforward. It's, it's one of the, the, the wonders of uh, the company's house processes and things in this country that it is very easy to, to create a limited company yeah. and very cheap as well. I was going to say, it's, it's incredibly simple to set up a company. I had this question the other day, in fact, from someone that I work with, and they said, oh, how do I set a company up? And I said, well, quite simply, you go to company's house, you think of a company name, and press a big green button, give them 13 quid, and you've got a company. <laughs> yep, indeed, yeah. 
if you're if you're setting up a limited company for buying investment property, you do need to be a little bit careful about the the the, the sort of type of company. I can't remember the, the name for it, but there's a special code. You SIC have to... codes. Ah, fantastic! Well done. The, you it's have to almost provide... it's almost like I work in property, Simon. <laughs> well, apparently I do too, but it doesn't mean I can remember these things. <laughs> and and once you've got that code, oh no, sorry. In order to set up a company, you have to specify this code, which specifies the type of company it is, type of business that you're going to be carrying out in that company. And the, the reason it's important for, for property investment companies is that mortgage companies like to see certain uh, or a certain code. I think there's maybe two or three of them that mortgage companies tend to prefer. So if you're planning to invest, buy properties and use a mortgage, you do need to be a bit careful that you've got that code right. Although... Apparently, it's very straightforward to change after the fact if you if you do get it wrong. But I, ha- I haven't actually tried that because I've got to write it to start with. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things. And we we don't want to go too far down the rabbit rabbit hole of SIC codes. But I, I've seen people cogitate, ruminate, and any other eight about SIC codes. And I'm like, you know, obviously, as you know, I'm I'm probably more gung ho. But it is very important to pick the right ones. But he's also, there's a couple of real estate letting, uh, real estate and lettings codes. So, so it is, it is important to get those things right. Don't get me wrong, but also, as you say, don't you know, don't spend half a day worrying about it. Speak with your accountant or, you know, someone that knows about this stuff just to get it set up. And the the other, the one thing, and this is the, this isn't the topic of today, but just for anyone that is listening and is thinking about limited companies, is uh, what mortgage broke what mortgage sorry what mortgage companies banks don't like is uh trading uh trading property businesses so uh that is just something to be mindful of but anyway we're not we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about your experience having set up a limited company so yeah just talk to us a bit more so you set up your company yep so the the actual setup process as i mentioned very straightforward then getting a, a bank account also very straightforward that there, there are many Many bank options these days. I actually went with with Starling, uh, a, a relatively new new bank option, and and it was very straightforward. They they did ask a whole heap of questions and they did want documentation and things. And this was all done through their their app. So you, you take photos of of these things and and provide them and, and answer the questions. And I seem to remember there were sort of a couple of rounds of of questions. So I answered the first set and they went away and thought about things a bit, and then came back with some more questions. But it was. It was all straightforward, nothing complicated, nothing difficult, and it was all sorted out within a week or two, I think, possibly even a few days. And and then once that's set up, then of course that information can then feed through to your solicitor and through to your mortgage broker um, to actually go into to all of the the paperwork and, and things that are, are needed for for the purchase process. So I, I had to get that company set up quite early in the process in order to satisfy these these requirements but then it sat there it didn't really do anything uh, obviously until the actual purchase was ready to complete which was which was months later so so it's it's a bit strange that i've i've had a business a limited company that's been sat in, sat that's been sat there for well over a year now so much over that we're we're looking at doing company ca- accounts and tax returns and yet, for for the first few months of its life, it was doing nothing, and it, it feels like it shouldn't be quite as old as it is. <laughs> so, 
And we're moving into the what I consider the important part of you know the conversation is so. Which month was it incorporated? I think it was June, may, maybe just early July, I think. But I should have looked this up in advance. I'm afraid I didn't. But it was certainly around there last year. I don't think anyone minds. I don't think anyone's <laughs> going to hold you to account. But so June or July in 2022. Yeah. And you're now talking about accounts. So when, when, when are the accounts due for your company? So a company has to submit annual accounts. So they, they become due after, after or the anniversary of, of the company. You, you can adjust accounting dates and things like that. But I mean, if, if you don't, then it's just by default the year after the company was So formed. I was going to say something on that because, because, um, because I did. And uh, why did I do it? Because uh, my brain works in the standard financial accounting year. But... The other reason I did it was because it got me an extra. So my company started in November 20, 2016. And rather than uh, do the accounts for the, you know, the coming year, we could extend it, which I, th- I think, you know, roughly, I can't remember the exact months now, but it was like, you know, we had an 18 months. So actually we didn't have to do the accounts for some time. And I quite liked the uh, alignment with the fiscal year, you know, April to March every year. Uh, and that meant I just had to think less about things. But you're not going to do that. No, I, I have done that in the past with with other limited companies that I've, I've been involved in, and 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 yes, I mean it, it can be nice to have things lined up, but I don't I don't really feel it makes that much difference. May as well just get on and and do it, and just use the use the standard annual um, process. So can um, I just tell you the, the the other reason I didn't do it? And again, this is each to his or her own. But the other reason is because I didn't want to pay the accountancy fees within six months. I wanted to uh, give it a bit of time. So that's the other reason. Uh, and, you know, on a more serious point, that, you know, because you, you just delay. And as you say, that limited company has done nothing for half a year. But then you're going to have to pay some accountancy fees for something that hasn't done a lot. So but again. You know, some people might want to align it or start their business at a time that makes sense to them. You know, you're, you might have other businesses that started in June and it would actually just make sense for you to do it that way. I know that's not the case, but actually, I just wanted to highlight that. That's another reason. Yeah. If you're paying your accountants fees annually or sort of or on the, the point where they actually do the tax returns and things like that, then that definitely makes sense. I, I actually have an arrangement with, with my accountant where it's spread over the year. So I'm paying a monthly fee to my accountant who is also acting as bookkeeping sort of role as well and and hence it, it doesn't actually make any difference for for me in this particular case but, but yeah I can certainly see certainly see advantages to adjusting and moving around the, the expense if you if you have it coming in in a, in a lump so yeah. the, the other question I, I think of and I think other people might be thinking of what have you done differently so Simon Piffer has bought many properties but this is the first time Simon Piffer Limited has bought a property. So how else have you done things differently or not, as the case may be, since you've you've purchased this property via a limited company? So that the whole process, I mean the the accounting bit of it is is definitely a bit different and we'll I think we'll, we'll come to that in a moment. But the 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 earlier part of the process I think was incredibly similar. There's there's obviously sort of different names on the paperwork and different mortgage products that are available and different rates available and things like that. But in terms of the, the, the process involved, it's all the same, really. 
the, the there, there wasn't any noticeable differences really in in how you purchase how the paperwork moves around between agents and solicitors and mortgage brokers and, and all that kind of thing all the same information is needed it's just different name on on the forms mm. i think and i think that's really good to call out for people that the limited company is a separate entity in its truest sense however that entity is is run by you or whoever is running the company so everything else has to be done have did you feel like you had to fill out more forms or anything throughout your conveyancing process as a direct result of being pitha limited i think there were a few extra bits and pieces from from the solicitor side of things and there were, were sort of some extra um reassurances that that people wanted but but again not not a lot and certainly wasn't anything cumbersome or or onerous um so yeah it was all all really quite quite similar and and quite straightforward i, I was i was quite pleased with how how straightforward it was and and how non difficult it was um using a using a limited company so one thing we did touch on before we hit the record button was around your accountant asking questions uh, around the works that you were doing and that sparks a thought in my head because the one conversation I always have with my accountant when we're doing accounts because obviously well obviously we, we've just done our accounts our limited company accounts and personal accounts just now in fact I'm doing a meeting with my uh, accountant very very soon imminently just to talk through it he's actually done the first draft but is around whatever I've done you know he always says you know all of this stuff that you've put in can I just clarify that it is repairs and maintenance and it wasn't improvement works and you talked about that as well. So given that you, you're kind of new in at the coalface on this stuff, it's probably good for you to talk about that, that conversation and why it's important. Yeah, you're, you're an old hand at those conversations, whereas they're, they're all, all new for me. So, so I mean, normally, in, properly in my personal name, I would receive expenses or invoices or whatever in, and, and I would record that information and allocate it to an appropriate sort of tax category ready for income tax return information. Whereas this time around, I was keeping my own sort of records and, and recording that kind of information. But that information also then obviously is picked up by my accountant. And in order to create the, the tax return at the end of the, the year for the company, as you say, they, they wanted to know exactly where all this money was being spent and what it was being spent on, the kind of, of thing it's being spent on. Because money that's or expenses that are are spent on capital improvement as you say sort of improving a property are treated differently for tax purposes in 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 the sort of company accounts as well as in personal name property accounts as well they they, they have to be sort of saved back if you like and used against capital gains income rather than being used against sort of everyday rental revenue so it's only the the, the revenue expenses, the um, everyday expenses that can actually be used against the everyday everyday rent. So, so yeah, it was a it was a much more sort of involved process of rather than me just saying, "Oh yes, I know this was a replacement for something that was already there, and hence it was, it was just a, a revenue expense." It was much more my accountant actually saying, "Okay, 
what was this item, this item, this line on this invoice? And oh, and do you have the paperwork to prove that? And can, can I double check this, this other thing? And may, maybe this line, which we're not too sure about, perhaps we should just um, split it down in a, in a ratio that would be, be reasonable because we haven't got the evidence to prove one way or the other. And, and yeah, it was a bit more involved than I'm normally used to. Uh, do you do you dig into that level of detail with your accountants or are they are they more accepting? <laughs> I, I'm laughing because the short answer is no, definitely not. And that is not that um, uh, we're doing that, that the accountant is being less meticulous or, or we're being granular. It's that, as you know, you, you know, our company is is, um, you know, generating significant revenue across 93 units and we do bookkeeping daily so uh, we got it to a stage with outside help whereas now myself and uh, Michalina who works in my company can literally update everything on a daily basis and in terms of the list of items that we have in the uh, costs you know that, that that goes up to like 30 50 items so essentially the accountant has all of that data straight away. So they'll get a repairs and maintenance cost. They'll get marketing costs. They get IT consumable. That's all come through labeled already. So we don't actually have to get into that. And as I said, so it makes our conversations much simpler, which is when all the repairs and maintenance comes through, he just says, Stuart, can I just clarify that this repairs and maintenance work for the year, which is I haven't got the numbers in front of me now, but we're talking tens of thousands of pounds. Can I just clarify that none of this was for improvement works for the very point that you've just mentioned, which is, and unfortunately this year it wasn't. And I say unfortunate because it just means that we haven't been able to spend money on the fun stuff. It's been reactive maintenance. Um, you know, and I, th I suppose my thought went to, well, could we, is, is replacing a boiler an improvement versus, you know, and that is a, that, yeah, exactly. Gray area. Yeah, I mean, th these were some of the discussions I had with, with my accountant in so much as I, I did a, a, a fairly full refurbishment of the property. But the, the question is, so what was necessary to uh, sort of maintain its its current state or whatever? Or was some of the work necessary to make it rentable, perhaps I should say? rather than uh, actually just sort of being being improving no because improving is the wrong word you see this is this is tricky to to discuss because so within within the property there was there was one room that was clearly a complete mess and it was not rentable in that state this was the ensuite in this particular property it, it had suffered water damage in various ways and it it needed to be completely ripped out completely replaced and that the expenses involved in that room, while we had some trouble isolating it in the invoices, what once we had, that that's obvious. That's a capital improvement. That that was improving the property above and beyond the state it was in when I purchased it. I'm just going to interject very quickly here, because I just want to take one step back and say, would you not have had these same conversations as if you were buying in as Simon Pither the person? Yes. Definitely, I would have had, um, but I would have had them with myself, and I, <laughs> I, I probably would have been a, a little less um, detailed. And certainly, where where I knew the ensuite was was capital improvement, 
that would have been allocated to that. Okay. But I um I wouldn't have had to sort of for the for the other bits that were were sort of not capital improvements, but they were just run of the mill improvements, sort of everyday sort of maintenance, as you say. And and that area, those I sort of had to prove to the accountant. Whereas whereas for me I I know that already. I don't need to prove it. I can just just write it down in my accounts as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but so, but the difference here then is that for a, your personal properties, you're submitting this stuff yourself. But for a limited company, you're not. Yeah, I do my own personal tax returns. Yeah. Okay, but that that is just through your choice, isn't it? Versus, yes. And so, what changed as a limited company? So, limited company tax returns are a lot more involved lot more complicated than personal tax returns and most significantly there are a lot more rules and regulations and potential gotchas that you need to be aware of that I am simply not aware of okay right so that's so that's the one I want that's what I want to underline for the listener or you the viewer yes you uh who's watched or listened this far is and I think that is the point you know so essentially these things all need to be done but as a limited company, there is a lot more legislative instruction behind the filing of company accounts for all the reasons which some of which we'll know in terms of, you know, laundering people. Because obviously, given what we talked about earlier, you could set up a company right now within five minutes. You could have a company name set up in whichever company you like. And there has to be some sort of checking, balancing, making sure that people aren't creating fake companies because all of that happens uh, and there needs to be. Uh, obviously due process given to that and you've because of that of course you don't you don't have that sort of time you've then said okay now is the time so for me that's a really interesting point around the the the, the switch between personal and limited is that you've said hold on yeah this is now one step up from me and I'm not comfortable or happy to put you know my, my neck on the line I, I'm now going to need to outsource this as, yeah. as most people would. Yeah, I, I think something that helped contribute to that for me, or perhaps helped contribute to the the me doing my personal tax returns, is that I've been doing personal tax returns for decades. I don't know, a long time. And mm-hmm. and, and I've sort of... He's very old. <laughs> I sort of built up that knowledge gradually over time. And obviously the, the first year I did it, it was, was very small and, and simple sort of extra bits beyond standard PAYE and stuff. And then gradually, as I've, I've added to property portfolio and other businesses and things that I've been involved in, it's gradually got more involved, but it's been a gradual process. And each year I've been able to go out and learn the extra little bits that I need in order to, to be confident that I'm meeting the, the requirements and the regulations involved there. And, and then this time, this is the first time I have been involved in a, a property related limited company. And, and I just, didn't want to have to go out and, and learn in a big lump all of the, the company-related uh, requirements and regulations for that. And, and indeed, the, the other limited companies that I've been involved in, their corporation tax returns have always been done by a, a qualified accountant as well. So I, I haven't ever delved into any of the, the limited company side of the, the tax and, and income and reporting regulations. So there, well, there would my, have in- been a lot to learn. In my humble view, you'd then be an accountant and not a property business owner. And that's the difference, isn't it? Because if you're spending more of your time working through the tax, the receipts, understanding the tax codes and all of that, then you're, you're essentially becoming an accountant. And you know, unless that's your profession of choice, then 
you're better off uh, employing somebody else. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Although perhaps you could argue similar for, for personal tax return work I and would. things. <laughs> and, and the amount of effort involved in that, I mean, Obviously, I'm sure if you total it up over the whole over the many years and the learning involved across that time, it would would be a reasonable amount. But the actual time it takes me these days, now that I I know the the basic regulations and things that are needed, is I don't know maybe a day, maybe a couple of days, uh, a year. So I mean, it's it's not. I'm certainly not a full time accountant from from doing my own personal tax returns. That that's for sure. Mm. I don't. Well, think I it's couldn't like that. think of. I can think of lots of really horrible things to do one of them would be do my own accounts <laughs> it's not that bad it's just like playing with a spreadsheet and and you you like spreadsheets <laughs> <laughs> i do like spreadsheets but only when they're going to lead to fun things like how much money i'm going to uh invest or get a return on not how much money i'm going to have to give the hmrc which i think you know brings us brings us towards the end of our episode yeah, I'm not sure we should end it on on the not so fun thing of giving giving money to HMRC, but <laughs> but, but maybe that's just the way it has to go. <laughs> so, yep, it's it's all inevitable, like death and taxes, and the end of the show. As always, if you've listened this far, I've, we can only assume that you're enjoying the show. So please do leave us at least a rating, and if you really want to get a shout out, leave us a review as well, and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Other than that, see you on the next episode.